Bros and TKOs, we are live on this beautiful Thursday evening in the Valley, and boy do we have a, a stack show for episode 30 of Bows and TKOs. I'm your host, Shane Gillette, and man, it's been some weeks. We had the holiday break, no UFC, and I knew it was quite a bit of weeks having three weekends and no UFC, but it's back this weekend. All of us MMA fans can celebrate, have a couple beverages, and cheers to the UFC being back at MMA. But yeah, to be honest, man, it feels like I haven't done a podcast in forever or talked UFC, so I'm excited. And a big reason I'm excited is we have a lot of UFC 300 fights that have been announced, more on the UFC 299 card. Uh, March 30th, Mexico City, Saudi Arabia, Atlantic City. We got the MMA awards that I have picked for the Bows and TKOs podcast. We have who I think will be the champion in each weight class uh, for the next calendar year. Look back at how I did on that last year. And I've done some matchmaking for the top of the divisions where there are lack of fights that are booked or where maybe guys in the top five haven't been booked. And then we have UFC Fight Night Vegas 84 that we're going to preview for this weekend. A solid little Apex card. And then we're going to have um, next week uh, the recap of the Vegas Apex event and previewing UFC 297 early in the week. Get the podcast posted. Get the reels going. But before we start the podcast, I'm repping my black and gold, repping the Steelers. This past week in football has been pretty uh, much an emotional roller coaster. As my alumni, the University of Montana Grizzlies, um, yeah, they, they kind of got handled in the championship game against the South Dakota State University Jackrabbits, so congrats to them on repeating in the FCS championship. But the fact that Montana is back to relevance, you know, I, I am happy about that. I'm excited to see, uh, you know, what the future holds for Coach Bobby Hawk and the Grizzlies. Somehow the Tennessee Titans beat the Jacksonville Jaguars and gave my Steelers an opportunity at the playoffs. Now they head to Buffalo, New York and, and handle Josh Allen and the Bills. Uh, that is going to be a challenging game, but there is a lot of forecasted high winds and snow. So if there's a chance, there's a run game opportunity for the Steelers. So lots of fun playoff action. I'm not going to bore you guys about that too much. Today, me and two friends at least, will, we, we got our tickets to UFC 299. So I uh, got those locked up. And can I just say for a minute, golly, man, these UFC ticket prices are out of control. I don't know if it's just because the events outside Vegas are rare. Like they don't go to Miami that often. They don't go to a lot of other cities that often. So the prices are jacked up for pay-per-view events um, outside of Vegas. Because in Vegas, I'm used to getting like two, $300 decent seats. Nobody shows up till the last couple fights anyways. <sighs> going to UFC until, unless I get this podcast boosted up where I'm getting paid to go watch UFC, man. I make good money and I don't know how people can afford it. Plus the pay-per-views online. I mean, there's got to be an adjustment. This is the most expensive sport at this rate. I've never been to a big-time boxing event. I don't know what they cost, but, I mean, we're talking NFL playoff prices and some. 
you know, uh, just to, to even get in the door to the Miami arena for this, for this 299. And I was like, is this just 299? I looked at 298, 298 is pretty expensive in Anaheim as well. And then even the, uh, Toronto cards, pretty expensive. It's cheaper though. Cause it's Canadian currency, but I hope that this doesn't keep trending that way. Cause I will not be attending UFC live in the near future, but regardless, let's jump into MMA. What a crazy couple weeks it's been. Um, you know, with, with some of the Francis and Ganu noise and other promotion noise and announcements, uh, I think Dana White's kind of slow playing some of the, the new fight announcements, including UFC 300. He's trying to get ratings on social media, cause a little stir. Um, but we will talk about the fights and then we'll even compare the upcoming pay-per-views and give uh, some quick thoughts and, and what card I think's the best. But let's jump in right into 300. We got Bo Nickel, one of the American greats, one of the best wrestlers in the UFC, is going to be on the UFC 300 card. He said he never wanted to be a prelimer, but at this point he might be a prelimer because he's taking on Cody Brundage, who he should make slight work of. And then we haven't announced this on the pod. Obviously, it's been around the internet. I'm sure you guys have seen this. But UFC 300 is going to be April 13th in Vegas. So we're going to have UFC 300 in Vegas. We're going to have International Fight Week at the end of June with the Conor McGregor Chandler fight. So Vegas is getting some good cards coming uh, Q2-ish into summertime this year. We also have Aljamain Sterling, one of the greatest bantamweight champions of all time, going up to the featherweight division because yours truly, Sugar Sean, made him do it. Now, I really do think the weight cuts have been super hard on Aljo. You're in their 30s now. It's just, it's, it's not worth it. So he's going to face a perennial top contender, Calvin Cater, in UFC 300, which ex-champion, uh, potential future champion, and Bo Nickel, some great fights to start. We got Giri Prashaka and Alexander Rakic at UFC 300. Stylistically, that is one of the best matchups you can get in the light heavyweight division. Two crazy athletic guys that are, you know, stocks skyrocketing in their primes. There, there's a ton of fun opportunity in that fight. I think that's going to be an awesome potential fight of the year candidate. And I know I said that about Yuri and Alex Pereira, but I think this is going to be one hell of a fight. Speaking about one hell of a fight, we have the former lightweight champion Charles Oliveira taking on Armin Sarukian in the UFC 300 card, which, to be honest, the fact that Charles is fighting that far down in the rankings after you know being at the top of the division for some time and, and having some title defenses at lightweight, all power to you, Charles. This is what we need to see more of, especially I feel like in the flyweight division, the top guys just keep battling and the, the new guys never get to get in there. Obviously, there isn't the depth in the flyweight division as there is the lightweight division, but I am glad to see more of these things happening. We have the first of potentially three title fights announced last night. Uh, Dana White definitely, uh, you know, played some social media traps for this one, but we got Zhang Weilei and Yan Xiaonan, UFC 300, two Chinese women going in for the title. Zhang Weili, potentially one of the best women UFC fighters of all time uh, already in her young career. And, you know, one of the most badass fights against Ioana Janjacek that she had. I am super excited to see her back in the octagon. Um, I don't think that fight has potential, but Zhang Weili's been steamrolling everybody. 
We also have another former uh, bantamweight champ fighting. This was just announced today. Cody Garbrandt versus Divison Figueredo, the former flyweight perennial champion against the former bantamweight champion. Cody coming off a nice finish against Brian Kelleher. Divison Figueredo with a fantastic debut at bantamweight against Rob Font. This is going to be a fun fight. We'll see if Cody can climb his way back up. And if Divison could start pushing to, towards a bantamweight title. Moving on, we have the Atlantic City card, February, uh, the end of February. We had Aaron Blanchfield booked against Manon Firo for a title contender shot. The young Aaron Blanchfield's just been cru cruising through everybody. Manon Firo, after a fantastic performance against Rose Nama Yunus, you win and you get the title shot she has. Long deserved that title shot, in my opinion, so I'm excited for this. March 30th, we have Dominic Cruz taking on, or excuse me, Dominic Reyes. I, I shocked myself about Dominic Cruz because we haven't seen him for a while. Uh, Dominic Reyes against Carlos Olberg, March 30th. That is going to be an awesome fight. Two hard-hitting dudes and um, really potentially... The last opportunity for Dominic Reyes to stay in the UFC as he has been on quite the, 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 the losing streak. And Carlos Olberg's been climbing through the competition. He finishes Reyes. He's right there for a title shot himself. We got Julio Arce versus Herbert Burns, March 30th. Uh, it'll be good to see Herbert back in there. The hard-hitting Chidi Nukwani taking on Reese McKee, March 30th as well as Andre Petrosky taking on Jacob Malkoon. That was the match that I made after Andre's last performance. Uh, both guys, solid grapplers, solid everywhere, hard hitters. That should be a very close, fun matchup. And potentially the last bout for Chris Weidman, March 30th, as he takes on Bruno Silva. Uh, so I'm excited to see that. That's a good style for Chris Weidman. Him potentially get a, a victory before retirement or get another win to keep on going. And then Robert Whitaker against Paula Costa, official for UFC 298. There are um, tremblings. I think this is actually confirmed that Paula Costa, in typical Paula Costa ways, has not signed the agreement yet. So don't be surprised if this doesn't happen. I um, mean, Paula Costa's fights have been some of the most volatile uh, of all UFC fighters. You can never guarantee anything until uh, weight's made. But I would love to see this fight. Two hard-hitting dudes. This is a fight that we've been wanting for some time, even when Robert Whitaker uh, was the champion. So I would love to see this fight happen. We got Mexico City. One hell of a scrap here. Um, you know, the, the fight that we really wanted the first time. We get Yair Rodriguez and Brian Ortega, February 24th in Mexico City. Um, last time, Brian hurt his shoulder and was out of the fight quite early. So now we get the actual fight. We have Brandon Royval stepping in for Amir Albazi. This is recent news. Amir Albazi hurt his neck, went to the UFC doctors. They pulled him out immediately. So raw dog, it gets another repeat opportunity. He's had two against Ale Alexandre Pantoja. Now two against Mexico's Brandon Moreno. You don't get a win here. Your days of the title shot are going to be past you. You're going to be a gatekeeper. Let's see what Raw Dog can do because the baby-faced assassin is one hell of a flyweight former champion. But Mexico City, they're going to get some awesome fights. That's going to be great. And then 
As I mentioned, June 24th will be the International Fight Week card. The first time it hasn't been my birthday weekend in July since I remember. Um, but Conor McGregor is back. The Notorious is actually fighting Michael Chandler. Supposedly, it's going to be at 185 pounds. So Iron Mike's going to have to put on some protein, get some creatine in his veins. Uh, but it'll be exciting to see these two Two very aggressive fighters, heavy-handed strikers going at it. I doubt that lasts more than two rounds. So I'm really excited to see how that shakes out. And if it's actually 185 pounds, um, that will be intriguing to see. Uh, but of course, that is going to go bananas June 24th in Las Vegas. We also have April 6th, Marvin Vittori taking on Brendan Allen. I believe this is going to be a main event um, Brandon Allen's opportunity to be a former, uh, number one contender and potentially get his opportunity at a title shot and Marvin Vittori trying to defend his top title contender turf. We also had announced today, Alexander Hernandez and Damon Jackson on that card in April. That is going to be a fantastic scrap. We have, uh, February 24th, the Mexico city, some more fights announced. We have, Raul Rosas Jr. and Ricky Tercios, the ultimate fighter champion. Um, the young, I believe, 19-year-old Raul uh, and Ricky. I mean, that this is going to be a great measuring stick for what Raul Rosas can really do. We also have Claudio Puez and Ferez Ziam in Mexico City on February 24th, as well as Christian Quinones and Rayoni Barcelos. Those two guys are usually pretty aggressive strikers. So uh, some great matchups there. Some matches on the March 2nd card. I mean, this just keeps on delivering, guys. We have Javid Basharat and Ayman Zahabi. Uh, Javid, an undefeated uh, stud mixed martial artist. Him and his brother. His brother is fighting this weekend. We'll break that down here in a minute. Excited to see what the Snow Leopard can do. We also have Joel Alvarez and Ludovic Klein on that card. Joel Alvarez, I think pretty highly of him and what his career can offer. And this one, a little bit of a shocker for me, but we got Jarzinho Rosenstrike and Shamil Gaziev, who just came off a, a quick victory on the March 2nd card. He's taken a huge step into the deep end in the heavyweight division. And then on, I'm assuming a fight night card, March 16th. We got Tiago Moises and the return of Brad Riddell after more than a year off the city kickboxing fighter, uh, lightweight fighter getting back against a very well-rounded Moises. I'm excited for that scrap. And then we have the um, Apex King Brian Battle Ultimate Fighter alum against Angelusa on that March 16th card. So I'd love to see Brian's career. I would love to see him have some stiff, stiffer competition. But keep stacking those wins. You'll find your way up there. And then more on the March 23rd card, we have Ricardo Ramos and Julian Arosa. I mean, this is going to be one hell of a just an unorthodox kickboxing match. That's going to be must-see TV. We got Davey Grant and Cody Gibson. Should be a solid fight. And then Rose Namajunas staying in flyweight. Fighting a very, very good Amanda Ribas, trying to get a flyweight victory on her resume so that she can move up and try to contend for the title, although Rose lost to Manon Firo. Um, you you got to tune in when either of these women, two of the probably more favorite, fan favorite fighters in the women's division going at it. And then two more fights 
to UFC 299. Your boy's going to be there. I get to see one more time in person Dustin the Diamond Poirier taking on Benoit Saint-Denis, one of the hottest uh, fighters in the UFC right now, finish after finish. And it's not going to be three rounds. We get a five-round main event, co-main event. I am fired up right before the Sugar Show. Your boy is going to be on another level for that in the 307 in South Beach. Might have to do another couple of fasts before I do that. Um, and then we have Michelle Pereira taking on Michael Olekashuk on UFC 299. Two guys, scrappy, crazy, adds to the Miami flavor of that card. I mean, that card is absolutely yacked. And then announced today a rebooked affair of Randy Brown and Muslim Salikov. This was a fight that I was super excited about, so I'm glad this got rebooked. Look at all those fights. I mean, UFC 300, UFC 298, UFC 299. Sheesh. So let's just look at these upcoming pay-per-views to start 2024. I mean, this must be why the UFC is charging a grand to get in for decent seats in these events. I mean, can't believe it. So 297 in Toronto next weekend. The main card, a lot of ranked fighters. We got the Sean Strickland DDP fight, Dricus Duplessis. We got Pennington, Myra Bueno Silva, Neil Magny, Mike Malott, which should be fantastic. Chris Curtis, Mark Andre Burial, and Arnold Allen Movsar Evloev. I mean, Arnold Allen at the start of the card is a little surprised to me, but you got to start it off right. I know that Sean O'Malley in his young career was put in that position quite a bit. And then in the prelims, we get people like Brad Katona, Charles Jordan, Sean Woodson, Jillian Robertson, some of Canada's finest. In the early prelims, you got Johan Lanessi, Jasmine Jaza Davicius, and Malcolm Gordon, also from Canada. I give this a solid 7 out of 10 as a pay-per-view, maybe a 6 out of 10 to be honest. I think the main event has a lot of intriguing storylines. I think either guy could win. And the future of the middleweight division is really going to take a turn depending on who wins this fight because DDP beat Sean Strickland. There is an opportunity for Israel Adesanya to go right back and, and claim his throne. Um, whereas if Sean Strickland wins, that might not be the case. Although I assume if Izzy wants that fight, they'll give it to him. And it really just sets the tone for the middleweight division, which is a deep division with a lot of solid talent, a lot of guys that really is the quality that you would assume uh, uh, as a champion. But uh, I don't know, man. You know, guys like Robert Whitaker, they are championship potential, but it's just, it's so talented from top to bottom. Guys like Jared Cannonier can get a shot, who's been up in there. Marvin Vittori again. Um, obviously, the young up-and-coming Brendan Allen. So, yeah, I'll, I'll give that a 6 out of 10 on that pay-per-view. Moving to 298 in Anaheim, the main card. We got probably one of the better title fights with the potential of Ilya Teporia taking on Alexander Volkanovsky. But Volkanovsky has clean house. I do not expect him to lose. I can say that right now. A massive fight. The winner here should probably get a title shot in the bantamweight division. Marab Dwalishwili, Henry Cejudo, Triple C, trying to find his opportunity um, as a bantamweight champion again. 
the return of Ty Tuavasa against Marcin Tibera. Jeff Neal and Ian Machado Gary. Um, lots of headlines by Ian Gary. I was a fan, probably not much of a fan going on um, um, Team Neal all the way, but a, a solid fight. Really big in the strawweight division in a championship eliminator fight. We have the Tatiana Suarez up in the division against Amanda Lemos. We have Anthony Hernandez, Ikram Aliskarov, Marcos Rogerio de Lima, Justin Taffa. Um, so it's not a super deep card, but I do like the main event potential, and I don't believe that this card is fully booked. It may be. Let's go to SureDog a little bit. The UFC website never is on point with what's actually happening and updating their website. I mean, it is a disaster. So I've been pro SureDog for quite some time. So let's see if there's any other light on 298 because I can't remember everything. I don't have a memory like that. Um, Robert Whitaker, Paulo Costa. Hopefully that stays on there because if that fight doesn't stay on there, this card takes a big hit. But I will give this one a leg up. You're getting Volkanovski, one of the more intriguing title contenders for their first time fighting for a title in Ilya Taporia. You got the bantamweight eliminator, you know, uh, a loss by Henry Cejudo to Marab probably eliminates maybe him back to retirement. Marab wins. He, I mean, this guy sh should have had a title shot before, but he didn't. That's the fight game. If he wins that, he has to get the shot. Um, you know, no more what ifs uh, for Marab. So there's a lot on the line. Tatiana Suarez, a lot of people thought before her time off she was going to be a champion. So I'll give that. I'll give that a seven. I'll give 97 a 6. I do like 298 more than 297. And then we got 299. I mean, sheesh. I don't think 300, depending what is to be announced there, can compete with this. Let's go to SureDog and pull up what's on 300 as of now. So we can at least do a little apples to apples. I'm just so excited after three weeks. We're just three weeks of no fights, no podcast. We're just going to chop it up. We're going to talk the fight game. We're going to talk about what's coming because, yeah, it's been some time and there's a lot of fun stuff going on. I don't think out of the cards I've been to in person, which I've been to one, two, three, four live, this will be my fifth, that any of them stands a chance against this one. So we got the Sugar Show, Sean O'Malley, Marlon Vera rematch, which is a lot of fun. The DDP or the Dustin Poirier Benoit Saint Denis fight five rounds. I mean, come on now, that should be a barn burner. Gilbert Burns never seen Gilbert live. He's taking on Jack Della, fighting down, trying to stack up wins. You know, Jack, somebody who's uh, thought of very highly. The Bellator newly signed UFC fighter Michael Page fighting Kevin Holland. You're not going to go wrong when Kevin Holland's in the Octa game, the press conferences, the smack talk. And the fighting styles with him and Paige should be straight chaos. The heavyweight, I mean the heavyweight fight here. Curtis Blades, Jaelton Almeida. Jaelton is a savage and he is fighting the more similar stylistic fighter in the heavyweight division and, he and Curtis Blades. He gets past Blades, he's right there for a title shot. The top of the heavyweight division is just straight up stacked these days. And then same thing in the women's flyweight fight here. We have... Caitlin Chukagian taking on Macy Barber. Uh, Chukagian's been at the top forever, had title fights, been the gatekeeper. She now gets a, one of the more talented young flyweight fighters in Macy Barber. You know, this would be the biggest win by far for Macy if she can get that done. 
We're really going to get a measuring stick of the ability and skill of Macy Barber in that fight. I love me some RDA, you know, at the end of his career. Now back in the lightweight division, he's fighting a very solid Metouche Gamrot. That's going to be a ton of fun. And then the bantamweight division has two solid fights on this card. We got Pewter Yang, Son, Song Yedong. Pewter Yan was one of the more exciting bantamweight champions, and people love to watch him fight. He's taking on a young fighter that's now in his, you know, about to be in his prime. Lots of fighting experience, trains with a very good team, um, and uh, um, potentially one of the first Chinese champions for a, a male UFC fighter in Song Yedong. So that's going to be bonkers. Pedro Munoz at the end of his career fighting another very good bantamweight and fun stylistic fighter and Kyler Phillips. Uh, Robelis de Spain, who has a longer reach than John Jones in the heavyweight division, taking on Josh Parisian. We'll see what he can do with that reach. Um, the M Michael Pereira, Michael Olekashik fight, and then CJ Vergara and Asu Almabayev in the flyweight fight. That is going to be great. Let's see if there's anything else that we're missing on the website. See if SureDog can vet that up for us. I feel like we're missing something. I do know that the um, there was supposed to be Lauren Murphy, Kareem Silva, which would add even more fire to the flame, but that is getting moved or has already been moved. But I mean, th this card is straight stacked. I am so excited. That's the card I'm seeing in person, and I figured they would make 300 more. But if you look back at 200, it was okay. There was a couple big names, but the quality of fights really weren't that great. And I know these new era since Conor McGregor fans want UFC 300 to be just insane. Ronda Rousey, Brock Lesnar, whoever coming back. Um, but there's probably going to be three title fights. We got the Zhang Weilei fight. She's probably one of the more fun women in the UFC. We got Charles Oliveira, Armand Sarukian. Charles, one of the better lightweights in our time. Some of the most finishes in UFC history against a very good, young, talented grappler, improving his striking. And the light heavyweight division, like I said, stylistically, Yuri Prashaka and Alexander Rakic is as good as it gets there. Aljo's featherweight de debut against a very good striker and Calvin Cater, that's going to be a ton of fun. The bantamweight, Divas and Figueredo, Cody Garbrandt fight, former champions all over this card. Every single fight is a former champion besides the Bo Nickel fight, 5-0, I'm sure he will be a champion at one point in his day. He is going to be a problem and is still so young in the sport coming from wrestling at Penn State. Obviously, 300 isn't finalized. I do know that they're announcing more fights tonight. Let's see if Dana White has announced any since we've gone live on this thing. Real quick. Doesn't look like it. Let me check real quick. Nope. So I am assuming that the other title fights are going to be Alex Pereira and somebody. Poetan posted on social media, fight news coming. And then we know that Leon Edwards will be fighting Bilal Muhammad. So I think Bilal and Leon Edwards is going to be on this card. And I'm assuming Poetan. So you're talking Poetan, probably one of the more intriguing guys in all of UFC that just jumped in and has won multiple championship, multiple titles in different weights. We have... Uh, Jean Guaylet, most fun uh, women's strawweight fighter. You add Leon Edwards. He just beat the pound for pound. I mean, the UFC 300 is still probably going to be better than 299, but 299 for one title fight 
is insane. Dustin Poirier, Poirier still a, a champion to me. The fact that he's fighting number 12th ranked Benoit Saint-Denis Benoit, Benoit is insane. Gilbert Burns, Kevin Holland, Michael Page, first UFC fight. Blades Almeida, I mean, both of these are 10 out of 10s if you ask me. 300 is probably trending to be the better card. So it's just going to get better. We got Toronto, you got a 6, 298, you got a 7, and then 10 on 299 and 10 on 300. So let's strap in, fight fans. It is about to go down. Now let's jump in and talk about some other things around uh, the UFC. Ketlin Vieira has been removed from her bout against Macy Chiasson uh, January 13th. Uh, the fight has been canceled, so we'll see what happens there with Ketlin Vieira. She is in the top of the division and is not far from a title shot. Everyone has been giving their MMA awards. I wanted to share mine. Um, I am not bringing in anything outside of 2023. So if there was something that happened at the end of 2022, I am not counting that. So some of my awards might be a little bit different. But uh, the Fighter of the Year and International Fighter of the Year, hands down, Leon Edwards. I mean, just the iconic moments, the coach in the corner. Rock, come on, don't let him bully you, Rock. To the fucking headshot, pound for bound, headshot dead. The, uh, the confidence that that got to him. It's like he went super sand. For all of you DBZ fans, he just took it up a notch. Uh, was able to handle Kamaru Usman again. An amazing, amazing year by Leon Edwards. There's nobody else that deserves that. Alex Pereira is the only one that comes close in my mind. And then same thing on the female side. We have Alexa Grasso. I mean, beating the bullet Valentina Shevchenko. The way in which she did that and just her fighting style, the Mexican spirit, no hand, uh, no brainer, hands down, Alexa Grasso deserves the female fighter of the year. Now, I am also giving Alexa Grasso the breakthrough fighter of the year. She had fought at a good potential, but was able to get her shot and take advantage of it. And I, I really do think she broke onto the scene. We got fight of the year, Islam versus Volkanovski at USC 284. That fight was so damn close. You could have gave it to Volkanovski. I mean, we're watching champs of champs in, that, in this situation. And holy cow, was that a fight. Knockout of the year, I'm giving Israel Adesanya against Alex Pereira at UFC 287. Set up the trap. Boom! Was able to get it, shooting the bows into the body. All the stories, all the backgrounds, all the history. I mean, golly, I don't understand how you could put anything else there. Even being a Sean O'Malley fan because he's from the 406. You know, Helena, Montana. I know he's lived in Arizona as an adult and really should just claim Arizona. But you still got to give love to the people that got out of these small towns, made something happen. I'm, I'm always going to be a fan of those types of people. The counter knockout against Aljamain, one of the best bantamweights of all time. I mean, that's hard to beat. But I, I just feel like two guys at the top of the top of all mixed martial arts with the history they had, you got to give it to Izzy. And then submission of the year. Um, the fact that you're able to tap out the bullet in Valentina Shevchenko at UFC 285, Alexa Grasso deserves that 100%. We had the comeback of the year, John Jones. I mean, the fact that he could just wake up and somehow finish a very crazy hybrid new era heavyweight fighter in Cyril Gaon. There, you know, he's still the goat in my book, hands down. You got to give him the comeback of the year award. Upset of the year, Alexa Grasso. I just 
Although Leon, Leon Edwards beat Kamaru Usman, Leon had been a proven fighter. I had not seen Alexa Grasso fight at the level um, of, you know, some of the female greats, and, and she was able to get that done. That was a huge upset. Coach of the year for me is Eric Nixick. You got um, all the guys in his camp. You got Sean Strickland. But then he also coached Francis Ngannou, who almost took down Tyson Fury. I just feel like the whole year combined, Eric Nixick's got to be the guy. High IQ, great coach. Even Izzy talked about it in the Strickland fight. He was calling out all of his all of his movements, all of his traps, and all of his strategies. Eric Nixick is the man. If I was a fighter, I'd want to fight for him. Jim uh, of the Year, American top team. Hard to debate that. All the quality fighters they have. It's like a, a dormitory that breeds talent. Referee of the Year, Herb Dean. Ring card, Girl of the Year. I gave it to Brooklyn Wren. Yes, I know. Um, everybody gave it to Brittany Palmer, who is leaving. But book Brooklyn Wren has been doing her thing. She deserves it. Uh, one beautiful woman she is. She's all over the place. Leading man, Dana White. I don't think that's up for debate. Best promotion, UFC. Personality of the year, Joe Rogan. Analyst of the year, Michael Bisbing. Uh, John Annick's got to be close in there for me. And then best MMA programming. The only thing I really watch is the MMA Hour. Media source of the year, SureDog. And journalist of the year, Ariel Helwani. So bravo to the year, to the awards. Cheers to everybody there. This is an MMA show, not just UFC. So we also have Game Bread Bare Knuckling. Bare Knuckle. Jorge Masvidal has announced Junior Dos Santos against Alan Belcher for the heavyweight bare knuckle crown. Five-round event, March 2nd. That's going to be fun to see JDS bare knuckling somebody. And Alan Belcher, he's been doing it for quite some time. He's a tough son of a gun. And then also, we have... Now that the PFL owns Bellator, rumblings that the Champions versus Champions event, Bellator Champions, PFL Champions, is planned for February 24th in Saudi Arabia pay-per-view event. Might have to tune in for that one. And the only confirmed fight, I believe, this far is Jesus Pinedo from Be uh, PFL fighting uh, Ferrari, Patricky Ferrari, Bellator Champion. So there's a lot of fun potential there. We'll let those get more ironed out before we talk too much in detail. But just know that that's coming to add to the beginning year chaos in MMA, the skyrocket stock of MMA. So last year, I had picked my champions of every weight class and who I said would be champion at the beginning of 2024. And last year, I went 7-5. and five. In the flyweight division, I said Brandon Moreno would be the champ. That is not the case. Alexandra Pantoja, Alexandre Pantoja is the champion. I said Sean O'Malley and Bantamweight, ding, 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 winner, winner. I said Volkanovsky, I mean, he wasn't going to lose that. I said Islam, pretty, pretty common sense there. I was wrong with Kamaru, as it is Leon Edwards. I said Israel Adesanya, I was wrong there at Sean Strickland. If anyone had Sean Strickland on their bingo card for the middleweight division, you should win uh, a jackpot. Light heavyweight, I said Jamal Hill, which was not the case. It is Alex Pereira. Did not even think he would be going up that fast. Heavyweight, I said John Jones. Ding, ding, ding. Got that one right. I was right with Zhang Wei Li. 
I was wrong with Valentina Shevchenko as it's Alexa Grasso. And I was right with Nunez. Although she's retired, she still has not given up those titles. So let's talk all of 24 when we go into January of 2025. Crazy, it's 2024. We're getting old out here. Uh, in the flyweight division, I think it will still be Alexandre Pantoja. I do think he fights only one time this year. I did have him fighting the winner of Moreno versus Albazi, which the news changed about that literally before I came on the podcast. So it is Moreno and Brandon Royval. Um, so I think he is going to fight the winner of that, and that is going to be his only fight. Um, so it may be the baby-faced assassin again. And if I would have known that, I might have changed it, but probably not. I'm just going to keep it with Pantoja. Um, he has less miles on him than the baby-faced assassin, but golly, is Brandon Moreno good? It's definitely going to be one of those guys in my book. And bantamweight, I'm going to stick with the Sugar Show. No biasy here. I think he fights twice. He's going to beat Cheeto in the rematch. And I think it's going to be Marab after the Henry Cejudo fight. It could be Henry Cejudo there. I think Sean gets past either of those guys. Although the Marab fight has me a little more nervous. Maybe both of them. But just the length, the size that he brings to the bantamweight division, the hard hitting in his prime, full of confidence. As long as he continues to train and focus his mind on the right things, I think he will keep his reign. And I think that he will do that. He's been... He's got a good head on his shoulder, a good team around him. In the featherweight division, I am sticking with Volkanovski. I think he fights three times this year. I think he defeats Topuria, Topuria in Anaheim. He fights Arnold Allen and then Brian Ortega. I think he's going to beat all those guys and keep his throne going into 2025. You know Volk likes to stay active, so I'm assuming he fights three times. In the lightweight division, I am saying Islam Makachev. Uh, and Islam has recently, since I put this up, posted his plan of who he's going to fight. I said he is only going to fight one time. He was going to fight the winner of Charles and Armin. But supposedly he wants to fight Justin Gaethje before that than the winner. So I'll say two at this point. I think he beats Gaethje. I think, he, I think he beats the winner of Charles and Armin. If I were to pick that right now, I'd pick Charles. I think those are going to be really great fights. But it's going to be hard to pick against Islam. So I'm just going to go with the Vegas favorite there and just be a pussy and not make a big move. In the welterweight division, I am sticking with Leon Edwards. I think he fights two times. I think he fights Bilal at 300 and then Shavkat Romanov at the end of the year. That Shavkat fight is going to be tough. I think there may be a potential rematch there in the future, but Leon Edwards with the confidence that he has fighting in his prime, he's got too many, too, or he's got too fresh of, of a fight game, less octagon time than a lot of people. I feel like he's going to be too hard to beat. In the middleweight division, I am saying Israel Adesanya is back. I think he beats DDP after he beats Sean Strickland and regains the throne. I do not know if he fights again because he's been so active. He said he wants to not be active. He's been recovering from injuries. But there is a potential he fights again. Um, a kind of a cop-out move, but I do think he is the best in the division. In the light heavyweight division, I am saying Alex Pereira. I think he fights twice this year with maybe a surprise 300 fight, which to be determined. I'm always going to look at my phone to see if Dana's gone live on Instagram because I would love to see if, if that happens. But um, Alex Pereira, I think, beats Jamal Hill. 
and um, Ankalaev after he beats uh, Johnny Walker. So I think he fights twice. He may fight one more, but I don't know if that's going to be a light heavyweight, the 300 fight. I really have no idea who he could be fighting there to make it uh, that newsworthy. But I'm going to go twice. I think he stays in the light heavyweight division. A lot of these guys going into next year, I am probably going to change my mind. But to be honest, the way the UFC works, if it's Pantoja, Sean, Alexander, these are all current champs. Islam, Leon. So only Izzy would be new, who's kind of, might as well keep him in that book. He's been a champ at that division for a long time. And Alex Pereira, that's like seven. There's no way that happens. I could already assume I'm just trying to think who they would fight, who I would pick to win today. But the reason these guys won't be the champions is they fight all the time. The pressure of being a champion, five-round camp after five-round camp, not many people's body mentality can withdraw that through a full calendar year. So then you get new guys like Shavkat Romanov who comes in, first title fight, everything on the line, fresher body. They usually get the job done. So that's just who I'm picking. Not going to say it's factual, but it's fun. It's a fun thing to do coming into the year when we don't have a ton of things fighting-wise to talk about or fight cards to break down this week. In the heavyweight division, I'm going to go Tom Aspinall. I think John Jones does fight. Um, why am I blanking on his name? Uh, Jesus. Uh, what is his name? Stipe Miokic. Um, and I think they both retire. For that, I believe Tom Aspinall will fight maybe a, another random heavyweight fight um, to get the title. He has the interim. So maybe he fights Cyril Gaon, uh, maybe one or twice this year. But I do think he is the heavyweight champion of the future. I would not be surprised if he fights Sergei Pavlovich again. In the strawweight women's division, I have Zhang Wei Lei. I think she fights twice, beating Xiaonyan and Tatiana Suarez. That is going to be the fight everyone has circled. That is going to be a massive fight to see if Tatiana Suarez can get where a lot of people thought she would be. I'm not betting against Zhang Wei Lei unless it's Rose Namajunas. In the flyweight division, um, I am going to go with... I didn't even... Uh, I'm going to stay with Alexa Grasso. I am just hella boring, I guess, sticking with the same people. I, th I think Alexa fights twice. I think she beats Manon Firo in the title eliminator fight after she beats Aaron Blanchfield. And because of that, I think she gets a rematch with Valentina. I do think Valentina, which I've picked Valentina both times they fought, is going to be too old. Not too old, but she's just going to lose some of what makes her special where Alexa Grasso is peaking. She is declining age, mileage, training. So I'm sticking with Alexa Grasso for that reason. That was a tough decision for me. I think Manone could very well do it. I think Aaron Blanchfield could very well do it. The flyweight division's top of the division is very, very good. In the bantamweight division, I am picking Juliana Pena. I think she beats Raquel Pennington, who beats Myra Buena Silva in Toronto. And then I think she fights Ketlin Vieira. That's why the next Ketlin Vieira fight's very interesting since her fight against Macy Chiasan got canceled. So I am going to go with Juliana Pena. Not a lot of zest in things. Things could happen. People could move divisions. New people could come in. But the Alex Pereiras of the world is not that common. I am sticking with those. Let's see how I do last year. See if I can beat 7-5 and five from the first year I did that. Now some quick matchmaking. Um, so Amir Albazi, Brandon Moreno was supposed to fight. Now it's not. Now it's Brandon Royval. 
So I do think Pantoja fights the winner of that. He does not fight until then. I think Kai Kara France versus Brandon Roy Vall is who I was going to have. But can we now do that with Almir Albazi to book the top of the flyweight division? Have they fought yet? He just beat Kai Kara France via split decision. So that will not happen. So the flyweight division is just logjam as usual. I have no idea what is going to happen at the top there. And I don't know what's going to be next for Kai Kara France. He's going to have to fight down. Maybe fight someone like Steve Ersig, uh, Tatsuro Tyra, which I doubt would happen that fast. But let's get him somebody. Let's make it juicy. Keep the freaking new blood going. Um, the last time Kai Kara France and Brandon Royval fought was in 2020. So that's why I thought the rematch would make sense. But now Brandon gets the rematch of Bra uh, Brandon Brandon against the baby-faced assassin. So again, a lot on the line for Brandon Royval. Him and Kai Kara France are stuck between a rock and a hard place. In the bantamweight division, I think Corey Sandhagen's return fight is Umar Nurmagomedov. Why? Well, he already said he wanted to fight Umar. And Umar ain't getting nobody to fight. So that makes sense to me. When I made this script earlier this week, I thought it was going to be Max Holloway and Justin Gaethje booked at UFC 300 at lightweight. Um, but it seems as uh, Islam wants to fight Justin Gaethje, so I don't know if that'll be the case. Maybe this could happen. That can happen. Uh, this is in April. Um, Islam said in June. So I'm going to stick with it, I guess. Max Holloway, Justin Gaethje. That'll book Gaethje's next fight at the top of the lightweight division. Max Holloway getting a fun fight to try to let the featherweight division shake out. Obviously, I think Islam gets the winner of the Charles fight uh, against Armand Sarukian. We got Justin versus Max. I think Shavkat heals up from his injuries. He waits to fight the winner of Leon and Kamaro Us or um, Leon and Bilal Muhammad. Um, I think Kamaru uh, waits in his new division. Um, waits to um, and and um, Israel Adesanya wait for the winner of the Sean Strickland DDP fight for things to shake up. And then I think Jared Cannonier is going to fight Kamzat Chemaev. Kamzat has posted on social media. He's gone through a big sickness, been battling some things. I think that's the fight to make once, once he gets healthy. I do think Alex Pereira fights Jamal Hill when Jamal Hill's healthy and light heavyweight. And then I would say Yuri can fight Jan Blakovich. I think that would be a, a good light heavyweight fight for him to try to stay up in the top of the division. And then in the heavyweight division, I think John fights Stipe. Both retire, John wins. Tom fights Cyril Gaon. And then Sergei Pavlovich fights Alexander Volkov. So I think that's how the top of the heavyweight division shakes out. That's what I would do if I'm a matchmaker. In the strawweight division, obviously, we have the title fight for 300. I think after Jan loses, because Carla had a baby, uh, she could fight Carla later in the year. Or maybe Carla fights Jessica Andrade. I think that would be fun. The fact that they haven't fought is a little shocking because they fought everybody since women's uh, UFC has been around. And then I think Alexa Grasso fights the winner of the Manon Firo Blanchfield fight, as I mentioned. And then Valentina fights the loser. So that would get Valentina versus Blanchfield. Blanchfield getting thrown in the deep end real quick. She's still so young. A lot of improvement ahead of her. I think Valentina wins that. Valentina fights Alexa. Alexa wins that as the champion into the next year. And then in the bantamweight division, we got Juliana Pena fighting the winner of Raquel Pennington, Myra, Myra Buena Silva. 
And then Ketlin Vieira fights next in there. She'll fight someone in the meantime with the fight canceled. We'll see what happens. So little top of the division matchmaking. Who is going to be in the champions? Comparing the UFC pay-per-views coming up this year. And we're not done yet. We got Anthony Joshua, Francis Ngannou booked in Saudi Arabia. March 8th, Francis Ngannou does not only punch hard, he punches and grabs the bag. Left the UFC. He's been getting paid supposedly is getting a $20 million purse for this fight. And the way he fought Tyson Fury, why can he not win this fight? The PFL, they might be struggling to get him to fight in the PFL if he keeps his boxing thing up. I will be tuning in. I am super excited for that. That'll be the night before the Sean O'Malley 299 card. Give me some MMA action in Miami. And we also had Fury Pro Grappling 8 um, over the holidays we had Kevin Dantzler boot scooting his way to victory against Aljamain Sterling by majority decision. Um, he didn't really do much. Nothing really happened there. Aljo is getting frustrated that he just wanted to boot scoot and look for ankle locks, things like that. Other UFC fighters that took place in the Fury Pro Grappling, Alexander Roma- uh, Romanov with the unanimous decision over Chris Dacus. We had Pat Sabatini with a round one submish- submission via Sulov stretch over Nico Price. So after a tough loss by Pat Sabatini, he gets a grappling victory. It's good to stay in shape, keep grappling, keep things going. You love to see these guys competing. Especially guys like Aljo Pat, Chris Dacus, Alexander Romanov, and Nico Price who who need some, some victories, need some wins. Now we have the ADCX2 Abu Dhabi funded grappling promotion, I guess you could say. They had the first one that went good. They have announced some fights for the ADCX2 January 19th. The main event, we got Chase Hooper versus Aljamain Sterling. Aljo staying active before his upcoming fight, trying to get in shape from all those bevies after the Sugar Sean knockout. Uh, we have Sydney Outlaw and Terrence McKinney, Douglas Lima and Renat Fakhradinov. Um, Zafian Davis Davies versus Luana Pinero. Uh, so we have some really good grappling events coming up. The, uh, Fury uh, pro that just happened, but this Saturday, the UFC is back. We got UFC fight night, Vegas, 84 little afternoon action with their playoff football. We got the prelims at 1 PM Pacific main card at 4 PM. Both of these are on ESPN plus. Because there's too many other great things going around, going on on the main channels. There's some pretty solid fights we're not breaking down because their opponents really don't have a lot that I know of. It would just be me looking up what they're, you know, are they a black belt? Who do they train with? And just saying some shit. So they're not well, well enough known. But some guys you should keep an eye on on this card. We got Joshua Van, young kid that's coming into the UFC and, and looked really good. Taking on an LFA alum, UFC debut, fighting Felipe Buenes, Buenes, B-U-N-E-S, however you say that, Buenes. We got Marcus McGee taking on Bellator alum and hard-hitting Gaston Bolanos. Marcus McGee training at the MMA lab. The guy's a savage. Excited to see his career. And we have Matthew Semmelsberger, who I saw in one hell of a fight against Yoros Medic, uh, Medic. And Salt Lake City, so I'm a big fan, taking on Preston Parsons. But our record last year, beginning of Boza TKOs, were 193 and 85. If you multiply 85 by 2, that means I got more wins. 
We had three no contests or draws, majority draws in there. Very good year. We'll start a new year record and the overall record after this weekend. But I'm happy with the pickums. Can always get better. And I like to pick those underdogs, and they hit a lot of times. But we're going to start this one off in the prelims. We got ferocious Fareed Basharat, 26 years old, undefeated with an 11-0 record, taking on double impact Taylor Lapalus, the 31-year-old fighter with a 19-3 record. So Fareed obviously continuing his undefeated streak, taking on a UFC newcomer in his prime, not just a UFC newcomer, a UFC returner, a guy who fought in the UFC left and is now coming back. When we break down the fight, we have Fareed training out of Extreme Couture. He is undefeated on an 11-fight winning streak. He is 3-0 in the UFC. He's a Contender Series alum, and six of his 11 wins are via submission. Now, uh, Taylor trains out of the MMA factory. Six of his 19 wins are also via submission. He's on a six-fight winning streak. He's 1-0 in the UFC since he's returned. He was in the UFC for four fights in 2015 and 16. He was 3-1 and one in those fights. I'm not too sure if he got cut, why he left. He wanted to get paid. He found his way back, and he's taking on a very good young undefeated fighter. He also has a 5-inch leg reach advantage in this fight. So a guy that likes to kickbox, he'll have some length advantage. Now for me, you know, Fareed's obviously younger. He's not as professionally experienced. But I believe he's going to be too much for Taylor in this fight. They both have good submission games. Their, their finishes in the submission category speaks for itself. But Fareed, to me, man, he has just shown his upside. He fought a very good, quick, aggressive striker in Kledson Rodriguez. Damon Blackshear has really been looking good. And Fareed was able to get through him in his young career at only 26. I do assume Taylor tries to kind of control the pace in this fight. Uh, control the center so that uh, Farid can't get him back against the cage in the octagon. He has the leg reach advantage. Use some of those kicks. Use those strikes, the jab to keep him at distance. I doubt he tries to take Farid down. Farid's going to be a mixed bag of tricks. We'll see how his improvement shows in this fight. But for that reason, I am taking the undefeated Farid. I am putting him on that parlay. We marking that ish down and we getting that bread. Moving on. We got Andre. The Pitbull Orlovsky, 44 years old with a 34-22-2 record, taking on Salsa Boy Waldo Cortez Acosta. He's 12 years younger at 32 years old with a 10-1 record. Now, when I first saw this fight announcement come through, I was a little shocked that Andre would take this fight, but, you know, Andre is a legend. He's the Pitbull. This is a fun, intriguing fight. Both men, where they're at in their careers, is a, is a big difference. But man, the octagon experience and, and, and just the time difference that these two have been professionals is really outstanding. I mean, Pitbull has, let's see, 56, 57, 58 professional fights. Waldo, 11, only a few in the UFC. In my opinion... A loss here could be the, the last that we see of the Pitbull at almost 45 years old. I think his birthday is soon. But let's break it down. Andre, if I put in here the second and third, he's like second, third, and heavyweight records, fourth, we would be talking forever. But I just picked some of the things that he leads the UFC in. 
because his resume is good enough as it is. So Andre now trains out of American Top Team. He's an international master of sport and combat sambo. He's the former heavyweight champion with one successful title defense in the UFC. He has the second most wins in the UFC history with 23 and the most wins in heavyweight. He has the second most bouts in UFC history, the most in the heavyweight division with 40. He has the most total fight time in heavyweight history at over 6 hours, 19 minutes, and 58 seconds, almost 6 hours and 20 minutes. The most decision wins in UFC heavyweight history with 12. The most decision bouts with 17. Most significant strikes landed in UFC heavyweight history at 1,453. The most strikes landed in UFC heavyweight history at 1,751. He was the 2015 Comeback Fighter of the Year. He's an M1 alum, Affliction alum, Strike Force, 1FC, World Series of Fighting alum as well. And he started with M1, came to the UFC, then did Affliction, Strike Force, 1, World Series of Fighting, back to the UFC. He's on a two-fight losing streak, is 2-2 two two since 2022. 17 of his 34 wins are via knockout. 12 of his 23 losses are also via knockout. He also has a 7-inch reach advantage. Now, Waldo is a Bellator, LFA, and Contender Series alum. He is on a one-fight winning streak and is 4-1 in the UFC. Five of his 10 wins are via knockout. Now, Andre is going to make this fight a lot better than the odds suggest, in my opinion. Let's look at these updated odds. Let's look at the facts, shall we? I mean, it's pretty lopsided, last I looked. Yeah, he's a plus 440 underdog. Waldo is a minus 600 favorite. I think this is going to be a better fight than those odds are suggesting. Now, Waldo struggled in a loss, his first pro loss, against a veteran in Marcos Rogerio de Lima. I think Andre could bring a similar fight to him. Some dirty boxing, using the clinch, wearing on Waldo, showing him some of those savvy veteran moves that he's not going to learn in the short amount of time that he's been a professional MMA fighter. Um, Waldo has also shown to kind of empty the load a little early, wear and fade towards the longer end of the fight. So I think the longer this fight goes on, the more favorited uh, or the more in favor of Arlovsky, the pit bull this fight's going to be. But for Waldo, the guy is still so raw. He's shown a ton of improvement from fight to fight. I do expect him to either find a knockout or outpoint the veteran, but I am putting Arlovsky on a on an underdog parlay. Who else is an underdog that I liked? With Mario Batista. Um, we'll talk about that here in a second. But this is going to be one hell of a fight. I'm rooting for the pit bull. I am taking Salsa Boy, but I am not putting this on a parlay. Now, kicking off the main card, we got Phil no hype Haas, 35 years old with a 12 and 5 record, taking on Bruno the Hulk Ferreira. He's 31 years old with a 10 and 1 record. Now, this is an exciting fight. Hard hitting middleweight division. These two are exactly hard hitting middleweights. I mean, Phil has not fared well against stiff competition lately. He's in desperate need of a victory. You know, he's not getting younger at 35, he's kind of at the edge of his prime. 
And Bruno has had mixed results. He had a fantastic knockout against RoboCop Gregory Rodriguez in his UFC debut and was knocked out in his last fight. So this one should be fun with a lot on the line. Now, Phil has a wrestling style. He trains at a Kill Cliff FC. He has a brown belt in BJJ. He has a Juco wrestling background out of Iowa Central Community College. He's an Ultimate Fighter, World Series of Fighting, Contender Series two-time alum, Bellator and Brave as well. He's been around. He's on a two-fight losing skid and is 1-2 since 2022. Eight of his 12 wins are via knockout. Four of his five losses are also via knockout. So to knock out or to be knocked out. He also has a five and a half inch reach advantage in this fight. Now, Bruno, he's a contender series alum. He's on a one fight losing streak and is two and one in the UFC. Seven of his 10 wins are via knockout, three via submission. So all 10 of his wins via finish. You'll love to see it. Now, I really do think the pressure with Phil here is going to help him. It's going to be like fight or flight. I think Phil is going to take this fight as seriously as possible. He's going to come up with a very good game plan, come to the fight in fantastic shape. He's always in good shape. You know, Bruno is definitely a hard hitter. The fact that he finished RoboCop Rodriguez, he, a lot of flowers to him. He proved a lot of people what he can do. I would not be shocked if Bruno found a finish in this fight. The longer this fight goes, I think the better off Phil is going to be. He has better technical striking. I expect him to be able to outpoint Bruno in a decision. He's got to watch out for the big shots, but I am picking Phil. No parlays in this fight. This is a coin flip fight for me. Moving on in the bantamweight division, we got a dog coming out. We got Ricky Simone, 31 years old with a 20 and 4 record and the number 13 next to his name, taking on Mario Batista, 30-year-old fighter with a 12 and 2 record. I mean, I am fired up for this bantamweight showdown. Both of these men are very complete fighters. Good grapplers, good strikers. They're in their primes, and they're hungry to stack up wins and really make a name for themselves in a great, great stacked bantamweight division. I think they're pretty even grappling and striking as well. But breaking it down, Ricky has a black belt in BJJ. He's a king of the cage, Titan FC Contender Series and LFA alum. He was also a former LFA champion. Ricky is on a one-fight losing streak, but has an impressive 5-1 record since 2020. So not a ton of fights, but a lot of wins. Six of his 20 wins are via knockout. Two of his four losses are also via knockout. So to knock out or to be knocked out. Now Mario trains here in Phoenix at the MMA Lab. He's a brown belt in BJJ. He's an LFA alum, and he's on a five-fight winning streak all since 2022. Six of his 13 wins are via submission, and he has a three-inch reach advantage. I do think Ricky has the experience advantage. He has fought stiffer competition in the UFC, but Mario is on a roll. He is really impressed in his outings with his slick grappling MMA grappling, not just jiu-jitsu, grappling against the cage, wrestling. I've really liked what I've seen from him. Now, Ricky is going to have the, the slight wrestling advantage, but I like what I've seen from Mario's BJJ. 
Although, you know, Ricky is technically a black belt, Mario's a brown belt, that doesn't always translate to MMA grappling. Now, the striking is going to be very tight. I'm giving Mario the slight advantage. He's going to have the length advantage. I think he will mix in a lot of kicks here, and I think he'll potentially even have a speed advantage. I think the speed advantage could pay dividends, especially if it goes to a decision. I'm taking Mario as the underdog in a close decision. The dogs are coming to eat. Hoo-hoo! I am marking him on that parlay. We marking that ish down, and we getting that bread. But in reality, that's a coin flip fight. Then we have the veteran. We got A-10, Jim Miller. He's 40 years old with a 36-17 and 17 record with one no contest. He's taking on Mowgli Gabriel Benitez, 35 years old with a 23-11 and 11 record. Now, Jim is, you know, he's battling in his 40s. This time he is fighting a man who is looking to get any consistency in the UFC. It's a tough task to ask for against A-10. Now, Jim, he's got a lot of accolades as well. He's got a D1 wrestling background out of Virginia Tech, a black belt in BJJ. All the way back in 2012, he had fight of the year against Joe Lozon. He has the most wins in UFC history, 25. Bet you most people didn't know that Jim Miller leads the UFC in wins. He obviously has the most wins in the lightweight division history with 22. The most bouts in UFC history with 42. And oh, by the way, if he wins, he wants to fight at UFC 300. And damn it, the matchmaker should let him. He has the most bouts in the lightweight division history at 39. The most finishes in lightweight history with 15. The most first round finishes in UFC history with 11. Jim motherfucking Miller. The most submission attempts in UFC history with 47. The most fight time in UFC lightweight history at 6 hours, 19 minutes and change. The most decision bouts in lightweight history with 18. And he is also a Cage Fury alum and former champion where he had a successful title defense. He also is a Ring of Combat alum. He's on a one-fight winning streak. He is 3-1 since 2022. And 19 of his 36 wins are via submission. Now, Gabriel trains out of AKA. He's an Ultimate Fighter Latin America alum. He's on a one-fight winning streak. He's only 1-1 one one since 2022. He had no fights in 2023 where he was actually booked to fight Jim Miller in February of 2023. 10 of his 23 wins are via submission. 9 via knockout. So 19 of his 23 wins are via finish. Now it's really hard to know how Gabriel's going to show up after a year and a half off. But Jim looked really good in 2023. His last fight didn't even last 30 seconds. You know, the guy tried to run at the older Jim, and Jim said, I'm going to, Mama said, knock you out. <laughs> Jim is really good anywhere. He's definitely going to be willing to have a three-round technical fight if that's where the fight goes. Or he's down to scrap if, uh, if Gabriel wants to make it a scrap. I like Jim's experience and his ability in the octagon a lot more. You know, since he's really dialed in his Lyme's disease, he's kind of looked like he's had a career resurgence. I do think Jim is going to get a nice victory here, push to get into UFC 300, 
for a potential retirement bout. Unless he continues to starch people, he might want to keep the train rolling. But for that reason, I'm taking the veteran, the most winningest fighter in UFC history, Jim Miller. We putting him on that parlay. We marking that ish down, and we getting that bread. Moving on. The co-main event, we have Mathus Nicolau, 31 years old with a 19-4-1 record, and the number five next to his name in a rematch against Manel Starboy Cop, 30 years old with a 19-6 record and the number six next to his name. So again, this is a rematch. Mathus Nicolau had a victory against Cop in March of 2021, almost three years ago. That was a split decision victory by Nicolau in his UFC debut. And that was Manel Cop's second UFC fight. Since then, you know, Mathus is 31, Cop is 30. They have improved a ton since their UFC debuts. They're in the middle of their primes. This is going to be a fun one, so strap in. Breaking it down, Mathus has a black belt in BJJ. He's an Ultimate Fighter Brazil alum, he's a Brave alum. He's on a one-fight losing streak and is 2-1 since 2022. Six of his 19 wins are via knockout, five via submission, so 11 of his 19 wins are via finish, and all three of his losses are via knockout. Now, Manel trains out of AKA Thailand. He's a risen alum and former champion. He's on a four-fight winning streak. 11 of his 19 wins are via knockout, Five via submission. So 16 of his 19 wins are via finish. When I watched the first fight back, did a little bit of film study, I do remember the fight real, when I watched it real time. I had picked Manel Cop to win. But if you look at it, Methus clearly won round one. Round one was these guys measuring themselves, right? Methus making his UFC debut. Manel in a second fight. They're not trying to do too much to be too extra. They're trying to really just figure things out. But Mathus definitely had some really gnarly leg kicks and calf kicks that I thought won him the round. In round two, Manel dominated. You know, I, he completely dominated the fight. He started letting his hands loose, started moving a little quicker, and it seemed like Manel was on his way to victory. Well, in round three, I thought it was a super close fight. When I first watched it, I thought Manel won. When I look at it again, it is so close, I still would have gave it to Manel. But at the last minute or so of the round, Mathus had a good finish. He had really good hard-hitting shots that he was landing um, where Manel really wasn't landing those big damaging shots, but he did land with more volume, and I thought won majority of the round. But when you go on a very uh, really close fight, you win the last minute of it, you land some big shots. Like, cops kind of touching him. Mathus was really turning into his shots and getting the full power in him. So you can't be terribly upset about the decision, but boy, was it close. Since that fight, Mathus has definitely fought stiffer competition in the UFC, but I do, do believe that Manel is going to have the pure striking advantage as long as he can do what he didn't do in the first fight, and that's avoid multiple takedowns from Mathus, where Mathus can get top control, tire Manel out, and keep his striking away. I do think that Mathus has a great path to victory doing that as well. Both fighters in the first match really showed like that they were new to the UFC. They didn't have a lot of aggressiveness. And especially in a close fight in round three, you got to go out there and go for it. And I didn't think either fighter did. 
And knowing who Starboy is, knowing who Nikolau is, I feel like those guys are a lot more aggressive and go and get what they want and what they feel they deserve these days. But they didn't push to, to win that original fight. I think there's a lot more aggressiveness in this fight. And to be honest, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a finish. This time, I am taking Starboy Manel Cop. I think he strikes his way to victory, potentially finds some big shots. I'm avoiding him on a parlay if possible. And then we have the main event, another technical rematch, although it really is the first fight. We have Megomed Ankalaev, 31 years old, with an 18-1-1 record, and the number three next to his name, taking on Johnny Walker, 31 years old, with a 21-7 record, and the number seven next to his name. Now, I remember this fight in uh, Yaz Island. It was a no contest due to an illegal knee that Megomed had it up against the cage. Johnny had his hand down or his knee down. This was in October for UFC 294. I was on my way to my first Steelers game at SoFi Stadium, a victory over the Rams. And I really wanted to see this fight. I was super excited for this fight. I am super glad that they they kept this fight together. In the small amount of time that the fight did happen, I thought Megomed looked like the more comfortable fighter. I thought he looked to be more in control of the fight and that it was on pace to be his style of fight that leads to his victory. So what's going to happen this time? Well, all I know is that it's been a joke that Johnny Walker, when he got asked by the ref, where are you at? He's in the desert. Technically, that was right, but they said that that was not good enough. They needed to get it back. So now you have two training camps for this fight. You got to go out. You got to be aggressive. You don't cut weight twice. You don't put in two training camps to not go out there and and fight for what you think you deserve. So I expect a little bit more aggressiveness here, and it's going to make for a great main event this Saturday after three weeks off. So let's have fun, fight fans. Breaking it down, Megomed has a combat Sambo style. He won gold in the Men's Amateur MMA World Championships in 2013, 15, and 16. And he had the combo, the combat Sambo Cup of Dagestan in 2016. He won gold. He is on a nine-fight winning streak. He is nine, one and one in the UFC, but he's had a weird stretch of just bad luck. He's coming off the draw against Jan Blakovich and the no contest against Johnny Walker. He needs to get a winner L on his record. Nine of his 17 wins are via knockout. Now, Johnny, he's got a brown belt in BJJ. He's a Jungle Fight Brave and Contender Series alum. He's on a three-fight winning streak. Obviously, the last was a no contest, so I'm not really counting that. And 16 of his 21 wins are via knockout. Four of his seven losses are also via knockout. So to knock out or to be knocked out. There is a world where Johnny can catch Megomed in this fight. Like I said, this is the second effort of cutting weight, putting in work, getting your team, coming up with a game plan, doing all the work in a fight camp, a five-round fight camp that really drains you down. You're going to go out there and you're going to try to get the win, and I think Johnny's going to try. I think there is a world where he lands a shot. The guy is an athletic freak. The big knees up the middle, some elbows, some powerful shots, there is that opportunity. But even the beginning of the first fight, I thought Ankalaev was turning the fight to his style. 
I think he's going to look to mix in grappling, high kicks, calf kicks. And I do think by the end of five rounds, he even gets a finish because he has put in all that effort as well. I think there is just a technical skill level from Johnny to Megomed. Johnny is an athletic freak. Anything is possible. That's why you fight. But I'm taking Uncle Ayev. I am putting him on that parlay. We marking that ish down and we getting that bread. Thank goodness the MMA gods. We have UFC back this week. We got two weeks of MMA action. Next week, we have a solid UFC 297 card in Toronto, back in Canada, pay-per-view event. And then um, we have a week off at the end of January. And then there is an Apex event February 3rd with back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back weeks of MMA action. So that's episode 30. I'm Shane Gillette. I will see you next week.